I would like to welcome you to our second season of our Prairie Conversations uh, podcast. Uh, the purpose of our podcast is to provide our community with more insight into our schools, our staff, our students, and our programs. Uh, our discussion today focuses on one of our major educational partners, and that is Grantwood AEA. And today I'd like to welcome Chief Administrator with Grantwood AEA and former College Community Schools Superintendent John Spear. So John, welcome. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I look forward to kind of talking about a lot of people heard of Grantwood, but they don't really understand all the things that you guys do for mm -hmm. schools and staff. So, um, but before we get started, John, just kind of talk a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, well, it all started uh, about 28 years ago. Now, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it was that long ago. I was a high school English, English teacher. So uh, I taught in Independence, Iowa high school mostly. Uh, sophomores and juniors, American Lit, Creative Writings, uh, uh, Sophomore English, things like that. So um, yeah, at one point in my life I knew I wanted to get my master's and so I was thinking I was either going to do administration or uh, guidance counseling. And so I looked at both programs at UNI, you know, Independence was close and um, the administration program was far fewer hours to actually get the program so that sort of kind of Which made my decision me. for it me. Actually right. shocks it, me. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like it should be that way. So that's how I I, I kind of get into bro it broke into administration and so I've been a 612 principal at a small district East Buchanan. Um, I went back and was the high school principal at Independence. Uh, and then as a superintendent I was in three different districts. Uh, Alameda Key which is in Wacan. Uh, Ballard, which is between Ames and Ankeny, and like you mentioned, my last stop was here at College Community. So, kind of a varied career. Been in Northeast Iowa, Central Iowa, East Central Iowa. Met a lot of good people. A lot warmer down south here in Cedar yeah. Rapids. Right? You know, it's it's <laughs> it's funny you, you say that, but when I was in Wacan, oftentimes the superintendent, you have to go to Des Moines, and I would leave Wacan, it'd be 27 degrees, and I'd get to Des Moines, it'd be like 52 and sunny. Yeah, it's go. like a whole different climate zone in central funny? Iowa from that corner. Everything above corner. 20. <laughs> it is, exactly, exactly. Well, so let, let's talk about Grantwood. So uh, tell us, just kind of give us an overview, uh, what is Grantwood AEA? You know, technically we're considered an educational services agency. So nationally, all states have some form of an ESA. Um, Iowa is honestly though is probably the most diverse and the most integrated with school districts. So we provide support services in three areas, special ed, uh, media and tech, and educational services or what you might consider uh, uh, core areas, um, math, science, social studies, um, reading, uh, all of those, those areas that are around a school. So we have 525 staff members and we deploy them to um, every school building in a seven county area. It's the same footprint as Kirkwood Community College. Uh, so we have a number of staff members who work with every district, uh, all the way from Olin, who has 65 right. students, to Cedar Rapids, who has 16,500 students. It's a big range. It is. Um, it is. How, how is the AEA funded? You know, in the 70s it, uh, is when the AEA system was formed. And at that time, the legislature uh, passed a new appropriation or new money to start the system uh, and since the AEA wasn't an entity yet they flowed it through the school districts. So all of our funding is much like a school district funding we're funded on a per pupil basis. So for example in Grantwood we have about 74,000 students in our footprint and so we get a certain amount per student for special ed, for media tech and for ed services and all of that flows from Des Moines through to a district to Grantwood. 
Um, and so the, the funding is similar to, to a, a district, although it's much smaller. Uh, you know, a district receives about $7,300 per student. Um, an AEA would receive around $450 per student when you add all three of those categories up for us. Um, so with that being said, how does the AEA, uh, you know, let's, let's localize it to college community. So how does the AEA support uh, regular education students and special education right. students uh, at college community? Well, let's start with special ed. That's about three-fourths of our uh, staff and three-fourths of our funding. Uh, you know, compared to the other two areas. So we would have a, a, a whole range of staff that would work with, with Prairie staff. Uh, we would have special ed consultants, so they would help uh, teachers write IEPs and write goals and help them make plans to uh, get special ed students to meet their individualized goals in their IEP. Uh, we have speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, uh, f physical therapists, so all of those staff are available at Prairie. So uh, College Committee would have, uh, because of the size of the district, a number of SLPs would be assigned to you. So if your student would need speech language services, let's say your student's at Ridge, well, a Grantwood SLP would work with the staff to set up a schedule. That student would, would then get SLP services on site. Um, so we serve everyone from speech, uh, only IEPs all the way to a level three student who has you know, significant needs, whether it be cognitively or behaviorally. Um, so there's a whole array of staff who work with uh, Prairie administration and staff. Um, media tech and, and, uh, and uh, ed services. Um, uh, ed services, we would help, uh, if asked, foster professional development opportunities for your staff. Uh, we have a regional administrator that meets with the administrative team at Prairie who helps us to pinpoint or personalize our services. Um, we provide um, online training for recertification for teachers licensure. Um, you know, we can, help, uh, we can help districts unpack standards. We can help them with professional development around how do, how do I best uh, differentiate my teaching to a, a variety of students in the classroom. Um, and then media tech usually takes two forms. Um, there, are, there are, I'll say a hundred, and it's probably not too far off. Uh, there's hundreds of uh, media tech uh, programs or, or um, devices or product that we purchase and that districts have access to for free. So if you needed to research a, a project, uh, collectively, we bought online research tools that gives every school and every student access. Where they can log in. Exactly. Because it's, yeah. Exactly. They yeah. log in and let's say you're searching the moon or something and right. you can log in and rather than each district individually purchasing access to information, we collectively do that. Uh, we usually get a much better price than a district would be able to get on their own uh, and most of the time that's actually free to the school district. It's part of the services that we, we provide. Um, so. You know, we do a little bit of everything. If, if, you're, if you're an educator uh, in a district, probably there's not a year that goes by in some way, shape, or form that you're not touched by Grantwood AEA. Well, what about, uh, I know you do some things with new teachers, because obviously, you know, you see the stats, you know, mm -hmm. how long teachers stay in the profession, and, and so right. obviously having training or, you know, induction with teachers. Talk yeah. about what you guys do for new teachers. You know, we've started an induction consortium, and I'm gonna say it was about seven or eight years ago. And what it does, it, uh, it, it takes a, a really highly trained and skilled teacher. Um, they go through training on how you best mentor 
uh, a teacher what's best practice in teaching and learning, and we assign them or pair them up with about 12 to 15 first and second year teachers. Um, and so they go through and they talk to them about every, every basically every asset, affect, affect right. of being a teacher. How do you plan? Curriculum planning, exactly. uh, parents, exactly. uh, how do you emails. Do parents? Yeah. You know, how do you best uh, engage students in learning? Um, how do students best learn? So all of that's on the table. Uh, they watch them teach, they co-plan. Um, and so we've got some really uh, awesome statistics there. And I, I'll probably be off a little bit. In Iowa, the average retention rate for teachers is after five years is about 68 to 70%. So about 30% of teachers leave. If you take our consortium and look at our numbers, between about 88% of our teachers stay. So only about 12% leave. I mean, so that really, we think, is a huge factor. From the, from the new teacher induction. Exactly. And just so, the, so those teachers, that, all of them that start that program, 12% of them leave after five years, whereas opposed to 30% who aren't in that type of a program that we run. So it's a way we can alleviate the staffing shortage. Right. You know, any teacher you can keep in the classroom, a good teacher is going to be one you don't have to hire later. Yeah, and it's not also finding always new teachers. It's always the more critical need is how do you retain your teachers? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, on, on kind of the same scenario here, talk about how Grant Wood supports uh, building leaders, our principals, school superintendents. Talk about some of those initiatives. Well, there's probably two or three ways. One, um, um, college community is assigned a regional administrator. And so that's a Grant Wood AEA staff member who um, almost all of them have been either administrators or have been AEA staff who've kind of worked their way up through the ranks. So that person meets with the administrative team at college community, meets with the cabinet, helps personalize the service. So anything that college would need, their RA is kind of that point of contact. It really helps us know what, how is college community different than Cedar Rapids or Belle Plaine, because all districts are different. So that helps us kind of differentiate the services that we give. Um, as far as superintendents go, we have a monthly superintendent meeting. So we invite uh, the leaders of our 32 public and our accredited non-public schools to come to Grantwood once a month. Um, part of it is a learning session. So we might be learning about, hey, how do you best, uh, how do you best facilitate the growth in your principals or your leadership team? Uh, so we usually have a guest speaker and a professional development around that. And then we have lunch and, an, and, an, uh, and a work session about business. So what's new from the state? What are the requirements that are coming down the pike? Right. What does that mean? Because exactly. it might mean something to exactly. one district different exactly. to another district. How does this new law, how does it play out in schools? You know, how, how, can, how can, as a district, how can I meet the new, the new um, provisions in this new law? So we really try to help uh, administrators understand what the laws are, what the requirements are, and how they can meet them. Uh, we also have a principals network, sort of a professional development learning community. Uh, this is the second year that we've started that. Uh, so there are all kinds of professional learning opportunities that um, you can get through Grantwood. As far as licensure, we do um, um, a teacher evaluation training. So every five years, an administrator has to renew their evaluator's license, and so that's part of what we offer administrators in the area. So just a vast different number of uh, opportunities for administrators. Wow, that's terrific. Um, you know, and you, uh, you know, you guys do so many things. You just uh, shared with us a lot of things you do from special ed to staff to principals to district leaders so um, subs substitutes sure, right. are you know every districts having issues right now or just 
uh, finding subs, retaining subs, paying subs. Uh, Grantwood houses a computer system called SubCentral uh, that processes, you know, uh, substitute teachers for I think I believe 14 school right. districts. Right. Um, how does that work? Talk about that and kind of talk about that process because there's people out there think, you know, when I, I'm, when I retire or I've always wanted to sub, how do I do that? Talk yep. about Sub Central. You know, um, the, the process to become a sub has gotten much easier over time. So as the, as the sub shortage has intensified, the requirements are actually much lower than they would have been in the past. The states has, has eased those. So it's really pretty easy now. Uh, so once you get your sub authorization, and that's something the state gives you a certificate saying, hey, you can be a sub. Um, if you wanted to sub for any of the 14 to 18 districts that are in that consortium, um, what you do is we, we, we try to, we're really trying to streamline this for subs and for the districts in the court consortium. If, if you didn't have sub central consortium and you wanted to sub in seven different districts, you'd have to go to seven different, different districts and repeat the same process seven times. But what we've done is streamlined it. So if you want to work for any of those districts in the consortium, you come to Grant Wood, um, and we do all, all the initial paperwork and all the processing you would need to become a sub, and we put you in the system. So with, it's kind of like a one-stop shop. So you come to us, we help you through the process, and then once you're in, you have access to all of the districts in the consortium. Save so much time and energy for each sub having to go to seven, 10, 12 different places to sub. Um, and we can, we can just make that easier for districts because they don't have to worry about the paperwork. We do all of the background checks. Um, so all of that is that saves by so Grant much Wood. time. So especially it if does. you're a sub and you're trying to do it by yourself, that's paperwork. It's like you said, right. maybe seven different districts. Right. What does it cost, John, to uh, get the licensure if somebody wants to sub it? You know, I, I don't have the exact cost, but it's, it's really nominal. Minimal. Mo most licenses to, for education through the state are, are around $85 sure. or less. So it, it really is a very easy thing to, to actually do. Um, if you have a college degree already, it's almost just a matter of paperwork. So, they, so I mean, if, if you have time, um, subbing can be a really rewarding um, um, endeavor to undertake, you know? And the good thing is you can, you can say yes or no. Right, so, like, depending on the morning right, or exactly. whatever you We have say. a lot of retired yep. people who do it. You know, if they're gonna be gone for a week on vacation, well, they just don't enter their space. Right. The system just doesn't call them that week. So it's a really easy thing to do. And there's a, there's a dire shortage. So anyone who wants to sub, just call Grantwood AEA. We'll, we'll get you in contact with the right people. We can walk you through the process and get you set up. Wonderful, good. Um, you know, I even hate to bring it up, but the pandemic, right? right. We've all been dealing with the national pandemic. Um, what is the biggest change uh, has the AEA experienced during the pandemic? Because, you know, obviously everybody had to operate differently, right? Right. So right. What, what, with, with AEA, how, how did that change during the pandemic for you guys? You know, what, obviously in the spring of 20, you know, we shut down like everyone else and had to provide our services virtually. You know, so obviously that was difficult. Now that we've come back since the fall of 20, probably the biggest change I think that's occurred with the pandemic, and I would link it with the sub shortage. I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. We're really trying to find different ways to reach our staff. Um, you know, five years ago, it wouldn't have been uncommon for us to offer professional development opportunity on site. We're, uh, we're in 6-3 to cross from Hawkeye Downs, and 170 teachers may have come to that. Well, five or seven years ago, it was a lot easier to find 150 or 170 subs. 
that's really a hard thing to do. So we've started to morph the way that we interact with staff with professional learning, trying to drive more of it on site. So districts already have professional development time carved out. So can our staff come to you and provide professional learning? So we've really started to accelerate that shift. Um, we're talking about doing blended models of professional learning, kind of like students have a blended model. So you might have two or three videos that you watch and interact with other people virtually, and then maybe you only meet one time together as a group rather than four physical meetings. So it's really, it's really had, uh, forced us to kind of examine the way we think about how do we reach, especially the professional development part of what we, we used to do. Because the landscape has changed. Schools can't find subs and they just can't send people to professional development right. like they used because to. Because they can't find subs. Exactly. It used to be, like you said, you, you know, you can <clears throat> dismiss uh, 30 teachers, your teacher leaders, right. and be covered and that's just really not right. an option. Right. So it's really, it's really changed the way we've thought about interacting with especially teachers and administrators and <clears throat> in professional development um, by and large. Um, you know, it also has opened a door. Um, we, we didn't do much teleservice before this, meaning like if I was an SLP, you know, I, I always came in and saw you. Um, and we think uh, interaction with a person is, is, is usually the primary way to go about it. But we have started to do a little bit of uh, virtual services, meaning some of our meetings now might be via Zoom where we would have driven you know, an hour pr prior, but we're saving your time and our time. So we have started to incorporate some more virtual um, opportunities as well in meetings. Um, you know, how long have you been the chief administrator at Grantwood? Uh, four years. Four years. Four years. So, you know, you've been in a leadership role with other districts uh, for a long time. So, John, what does success look like to you? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think back, you know, Steve, you know, I, we're similar of age. <clears throat> and I think back to my school experience. And I think about the things that were asked of me as a student. We ask so much more of our students today that the, the type and the quality of work that they're asked to do and that they produce is a hundred times more than I ever had to do as a high school student or even as an elementary student. Um, so, you know, when people say, well, I'm not sure education is as good as it used to be. Um, you know, our test scores are fairly stagnant, but the amount of work and the things we ask students to produce are far superior to anything you or, you or I ever did in high school. Um, we just didn't ask students to do um, in-depth projects. Uh, we didn't ask them to think beyond uh, rote recall much. When Career we exploration. Exactly. And, yeah. There's so much more to education now. So what does success, success look like? I mean, honestly, this is probably sounds sort of contrite, but if, if a student graduates and they're ready for that next step in their life, that's success because it can take so many forms now. It can take a four-year path, a two-year path take an internship, it could take uh, uh, the military, it could go be go rocking right into the workforce. You know, so I think we just have to prepare kids to be ready for whatever that next step is. And sometimes kids' paths change. You know, they might start at a four-year university, but say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm enjoying this, I don't want to do it. I'm going to go to Kirkwood and get a two-year degree in the tech field, for example. Right. Oh, and you're seeing more of a push now with those career academy, exactly. career explorations. Exactly. And even finding out what you don't want to do is even more important it than is. what you do want to do. It is. Yeah. My nephew uh, did, uh, always thought he wanted to be a um, pharmacist. 
And so in high school, he did a job shadow. After a day, he said, I, I don't want to do There's that. There's no way I want to be Exactly. Yeah. So I, sometimes they find out, hey, that's the perfect, perfect fit. Sometimes they find out, wow, that's not a fit at all. So giving kids an opportunity to explore you know, what that next step might look like and making sure they're ready to take it, I think that's really what success looks like. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think you know, the days of asking kids, we, we, we have to get away from asking kids to go to college. Where are you going to college? Where are you going? They should say, what are your interests? And right. how can we foster and feed their right. interests? And that's kind of uh, where this is going, exactly. I think. Um, so tell us about in your career. You said you've been at it 28 years or so. Right. Um, Tell us uh, about a mentor that helped shape your career. You know, if I, if I think administratively, <clears throat> it's probably the very first superintendent who I worked for as a teacher. Um, you know, I, it was Independence. Um, I was hired in late June to be a high school English teacher. Stan Slesser was uh, the superintendent. And um, what I loved about Stan is that he believed that um, relationships mattered. So, you know, Independence at that time probably had 180 staff members. Um, you know, I saw Stan in my classroom, you know, as a beginning teacher. He'd just stop in to say hi. I wanted to know how things were going. And so, you know, Stan believed in the power of uh, relationships and led through, like, relate, as, a, as a relationship being the foundation of, of how he led. And he was very successful. He was an excellent person and a leader. And I sort of emulate, tried to emulate that throughout my career because I remembered how important that was to me, how impressive that was to me that the superintendent would take time to care about what this new English teacher you know, was doing and how the year was going. And so um, it, he actually was the State of Iowa Superintendent of the Year at one point, you know, SAI nominated yeah. him, and, and he was the Superintendent of the Year, and it was well-deserved. He, he was an exceptional educator, exceptional leader, you know, and I still kind of try to emulate that today I always think back on what a, what a great person to have as, a, as an example starting my career. Um, you know, there are high school students, college students that are thinking about getting into education. And um, I guess, John, what would be your best one-minute elevator pitch uh, on why they should consider becoming a teacher or getting involved in education? Right. You know, it's kind of like I think the Army might have had a, a tagline, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Yeah. You know, I, and I kind of see that with education. It, it's a difficult profession. Um, if people, people don't know much about it, they don't always think that. But to be a really good teacher, it's really hard. It takes a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. I mean, I have had what an unbelievable career. My wife was a teacher. I mean, and we've been in several parts of the state. Very rarely do we go anywhere where we don't see someone that we taught or someone that we worked with. So the relationships that you're able to build as a teacher and you know what's more important than having uh, young kids be able to know and be able to do things and take that next step in life? I mean, it's a hard job, but it's so incredibly rewarding. Um, I don't think I would change a thing. You know, some people ask, you know, would you get back in? Right, again? exactly. Would you do it again? You know, towards end of your career, I, I don't think I'd change anything. I mean, I um, I had really good teachers, um, and as actually one of my old high school teachers kind of talked me into going into education. And I've never looked back. It's been a wonderful career for me. And you know, are there are there are there do things ebb and flow, and are there problems? Yeah, there most certainly are. But um, I would I would talk anyone into if you if if you like people, and you like to be able to see results, um, teaching's wonderful. You know, because you you're there every day, with yeah. kids. Yeah. 
And you see, you see the growth. You really do up close. Whether you're a teacher or a coach, I mean, it's, you know, and a, a coach is, is is a teacher as well. They're just teaching a sport. Right. And to be able to see someone yeah. go from hey, I, I, they couldn't even dribble a basketball to layups, or in math they couldn't even add uh, two-digit numbers, and now they're doing long division or something. Right. People don't realize you know there's classroom, but your classroom is the gym, it the is. football field, the classroom in general, exactly. everything, and everything you can do to help kids. So, um, you know, kind of in line with that. So, what what do you think, John, makes an outstanding leader in education? You know, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think I think the best leaders I think they were usually good teachers because a leader is really just a teacher with a different title you know as a teacher you're teaching kids as a leader you might be teaching principals or, or, or adults um, so I think you've got in this day and age I think you've got to be a people person you've got to be able to build relationships and you have to be able to build consensus you know 40 years ago leaders were managers so as long as the budget was okay, you could make pretty much unilateral decisions and everyone just followed those things. Well, our society isn't like that anymore. Um, so I think the best leaders now um, build relationships and use those relationships to build consensus. One thing I've always talked about, Stan Slesser, he had the uncanny, uncanny ability to make everyone think that his idea was their idea. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. But he, Ownership. He, yes, he asked you for your input and he shaped the thought and so it ended up being an idea that you could say, hey, that's my idea too. Uh, and Stan was way, I think, uh, ahead of his time in that. But I think that's the best leader. Um, and, and we've got great leaders at Grantwood AEA. I mean, you want to talk about people who know, know what they're doing and, and uh, you know, can, can move student achievement and student learning. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. Good. Um, I guess, you know, with your experiences, John, what, seeing in the state level, obviously you're involved heavily in the state level, um, but what do you think is needed today for our students in school districts uh, locally and at the state level? You know, I, th I think in, in, our, in our area, we actually are, are uh, pretty cutting edge. I mean, districts in our area um, really are looked up to, you know, from other parts of the state. <clears throat> I think we have to continue to make learning um, approachable and applicable and real world and engaging for kids. Um, the learner has changed over the last 30 years. And um, I'm not talking about kids being entertained. Right. I'm talking though about kids being engaged. So kids having kind of a voice and a choice and a, and, a, and, a, and a say in maybe the path that their education takes. Same thing with adults. Uh, you care much more about something that you've had some uh, ability to get some input or, or, or some voice in. And so I think we have to continue to make learning engaging for students and keep showing them how what we're learning here translates to what happens after school. You know, that's all part of getting kids ready, I think, to take that next step in life. Um, are you seeing any common trends right now among all your districts? Is there any common trends out there that you're starting to see? Well, this probably isn't, subs, this yeah, probably saying, isn't surprising. The most common trend right now is how do we recover from the pandemic? 
I mean, the pandemic obviously emotionally, is, is, academically, exactly. It's still almost. ongoing, and it, it in some way, shape, or form, it's going to be going on probably for a little while longer. But you know, how do we get back to where we're, we're focusing on teaching, learning, and the social emotional wellness of our kids? So the pandemic has taken a toll, especially socially and emotionally, on kids. So districts are dealing with a lot more uh, social emotional issues than they would have, let's say, 24 months ago. Um, learning has been impacted, um, especially like K-1, 2, 3, those younger students when who've gone through several years that haven't been completely normal. So most districts right now, we're basically just trying to help districts say, all right, here's where we're at, and this is what we need to do to, one, uh, to, uh, to accelerate learning, because we want kids to catch up. And we also want to think about how do we best provide an atmosphere where, where kids can uh, achieve from a social-emotional standpoint. Where do they feel comfortable? Where do they feel where they belong? Um, how do they, how do they uh, have a place where they have a relationship with an adult? You know, because that makes a difference. Statistics show that if a kid can say, I have a really good relationship with one adult at school, they achieve statistically far more than students who say they don't have that relationship. Right. And so those are the things I think everyone is working on. And, it, and right now it's, been re it's related to the pandemic. Well, I guess uh, my last question I have, John, what's next for AEAs? Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I think education is going to go through some changes in the next five years. I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. Um, so we'll respond obviously to legislative changes and things respond, like that. Respond, adjust. Right. But um, I, I think we'll continue to rethink the way we engage teachers and administrators in learning. Uh, we've started to respond because of the pandemic, but that'll take time to fully integrate that. Um, we'll continue to um, meet schools where they need. I mean, one of the things we're very proud of is that the services that we provide college community don't look exactly like the services we provide Clerkamana or West Branch, for example. So we always continue to personalize our services as much as possible because not all districts work on the exact same thing or in the exact same way. Or have the same demographics. Or, or the same problems or issues. Right. You right. Know, a lot of, some of that is, is local. And so I think we'll continue to, to change the way we interact with people and continue to personalize our service. That will be, those will be primary things that, you know, over the next five years. Well, you know, I thought I knew a lot about the AEAs. I learned a lot today. <laughs> so, John, thank you for coming in. This was enlightening and, and uh, you know, appreciate all you do for uh, our staff here and obviously in all the districts you work with. So thank you for coming in today. Yeah, you're welcome, Steve. Thank you. Enjoyed the opportunity.